Welcome to The Event Brew, where event professionals from different backgrounds talk about the latest, most controversial, and interesting topics dominating the minds of the industry right now. This is a candid conversation, the likes of which can only otherwise be found late at night in host hotel lobby bars during industry conferences. So relax and drop in on what event pros really say when no one else is around. This show is brought to you by Endless Events, the event management company that tells you how it really is. Now, let's brew something up. Hello, hello, and welcome back to yet again another episode of Event Brew. I am here with three of the Brew Crew members. We got Will Curran from Endless Events. We have Nick Borelli with All Seated. And <laughs> actually, before we introduce our third guest, because she's about to... <laughs> I, I need to get the title. Um, I am happy because our intro is a female voice. It used to be a male. So that was nice <laughs> to hear. <laughs> It's been for like a couple episodes now, now Tui, so we need to catch you up. <laughs> well, I, you know what? Because I actually do listen to our podcast from time to time. I, I did hear it when I was, what, last week, but I didn't know if it was like official. Oh, and official. yeah, so now ladies have, ha, is running the podcast. Yeah, right, we've got, we've got two co-hosts and we've got the intro. So it's essentially took long enough. more, more feminine energy. <laughs> <laughs> Just took like three years or something like that. But (laughs) (laughs) you know, women, women, women dominate the event industry. But you know, finally, we dominate this podcast. This podcast, absolutely. Happy to have it. Well, fun fun fact, actually, if most people don't know this, the voice for the event tech podcast intro was her voice, and we took the voice from Event Brew and put them on the event tech podcast. So literally, they swip flopped on there too. So, so fun fact. Oh, that is a fun fact. (laughs) Before we dive in, what is everyone drinking today? I'll start off ladies first. I am drinking uh, water. I actually need to grab it. It's like six feet away from me um, because I'm so tired and I just need to hydrate. And um, hopefully that will make up for the bags under my eyes. Yeah, no need to social distance that water of yours. Go get it, girl. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, what are you drinking over there? Uh, does that mean that I get to be an honorary lady today? Um, so I'm drinking water. I, I just have this anecdotal story I wanted to say because I don't think I'll ever get to talk about it on any other one of our podcasts. I went to a like a, a concert last night like in a small club to see a DJ play. And uh, I show up with uh, uh, like a camelback like backpack. It's called Lunchbox. And I do it because I want to have my hands free to like move around and stuff. Well, normally I just walk up to the bar and go like, hey, fill up my pouch with water. And then I have water all night long. I showed up and this this girl goes, oh, I can't fill up your pouch for health reasons. She's like, I have to give it to you in a cup. I was like, okay, sure. So I hand her a cup. So she hands me a cup of water with ice. I pour it in. I go, okay, cool. Can you refill this? And I can just do that like five times and fill it up. She goes, no, and throws away the cup and grabs a brand new freaking cup. And I was just, I was so, the sustainability person inside me just like wanted to cry. So anyways, that has to do with, that's a story about water since I don't ever drink water on this podcast. <laughs> But what are uh, you actually drinking? <laughs> water. Oh, sorry. Did I not say water? <laughs> sorry. So I'm drinking water today. I'm very dehydrated from not getting enough water last night because of that story. 
all around and the mulberry bush. It Thank in you. A, in a pouch? Is, is that what uh, I heard? No, like, not today. Marsupial or <laughs> no, no, no. It like so not right now. I'm drinking out of like my normal hydrate water bottle that lights up and stuff, uh, which I think I've talked about before. But the it's like a, it's like a, a Camelback. It's like a, one of those like hydration packs you put on your back. Um, so it has a removable bladder you take out and you fill it up with water and then you can just attach it back to your hose and then you have a hose of water around you. So huh. I normally have one going hiking, but was this a festival or was it a concert? That it's a, it's a, yeah, it's like a, it's like, it was a club concert, like an EDM concert. That's the, like the thing. I I'm, I don't care that other people don't do this because I feel like I'm doing it the smarter way. But yeah, it's a, it's actually, it's a really cool product um, called Lunchbox. It's called, if you go lunchboxpack.com, it's just like a normal Camelback, except for the zippers are on the back. So people can't get into it to steal your shit. And uh, it'll let you can add lights to it and all these things like that. It's honestly probably one of the coolest event innovations, uh, I think, like in the 21st century. So if you go to festivals or concerts or anything like that, I think Lunchbox is like totally the way to go. That much water on strapped onto your back indoors uh, that would have lights in it uh, and uh, and then it can't be broken into. So I assume that this is very, very drug laden that you were at, like just hard drugs everywhere. <laughs> Well, it's like, like I mean, it is up. an EDM concert, so that does getting that, my that, stuff, that. messing with my stuff, and I need tons of water. <laughs> well, oh, like okay. you like put your like your phone and your How wallet your into it, drugs? so you keep your pocket, you keep your pocket like your pockets <laughs> empty and stuff. So like it's designed, oh, like it's I, I you know that. so. Like if you ever been to EDC, like the, 90s, I get it. Yeah, ED. Like if you go to EDC, for example, like literally, it's something like a thousand phones get stolen every single year from that that festival. Yeah. So. I used to work at a. Uh, I used to do marketing for a company that did a lot of teen like dance nights, and it was like at the end of it, like like six, six or seven hundred people at each one of these things, uh, and at the end of it, there was like twenty phones stolen every single time. It was it's crazy, it was just kind of, and it said tough. Uh, wow, I'm jumping in to be the timekeeper. We're Thank God we're in corporate it. events. Woo! Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's a yeah, lot. Uh, well, the the pouch that I'm drinking out of is a, is a uh, aluminum can, as it always is, uh, and the uh, simple water is actually a, a mystery flavored Mountain Dew, uh, which people the 2022 mystery flavor of uh, Mountain Dew Voodoo, uh, people think it's very Sour Patch Kids flavored, so that's that's where it's at right now on the Mountain Dew Reddit. So uh, just keeping you guys up with what's going on in that world. Amazing. That's all things. And Short story before I say what I'm drinking. Well, I was just talking to a fellow event professional colleague and our discussion, our topic of discussion is how you drink milk as an adult. And so mm. we laughed about that. Just, and I said, I will say that on air next time I record. Oh, yes. and so milk I'm drinking, drinking adults is like like Disney adults, right? Like similar to crossover. <laughs> so milk, you just, I mean, milk, I just called you milk. Will, you just literally, <laughs> you just not take- <laughs> I know we, that'll be his new nickname. You just take straight no, milk. No, not anymore. From the no. it's like it's like becoming like an urban myth in this podcast now. It's so okay. So here's the story behind it to catch anybody who okay, was not man. listening in 2020. You can go back and listen to those episodes. Is that I drink used to the drink a lot is. of chai lattes. And especially during the pandemic when I wasn't going to the coffee shop a lot, like I was, I made them at home. So, and because I love chai lattes, I got these gigantic mugs that were like 24 ounces in size. So I can make gigantic chai lattes that last all day. And because of that, I was going through a lot of milk to do this. Well, that one day someone, one, someone on his podcast decided to ask what kind of milk I use. And I was just like, whole milk. 
And they were like, wow, that's a lot of like whole milk to be drinking. And I'm like, yeah, I buy like three gallons a week of whole milk. Which, is- Which then Nick commented and said, I did have a child and we don't even drink that much milk. And so I felt Ooh. really bad. And I, because of that, I made a pledge to switch to alternative milks, and I now drink oatly oat milk. But I don't still don't, I don't drink that much. I got smaller mugs, which helps my proportions, and everything's fine. I only like occasionally have milk. Like I think I had milk today because I got like a Thai tea at some bagel place. You know, wow. but, you, you hear about milk rehab, wow. and you, you think that people are gonna you know go back, but you, you you've actually stayed off the stuff. So that, that's pretty. Cool. <laughs> Our intervention really. (laughs) What really actually happened is he has a camelback backpack full of just whole milk. milk. (laughs) His quote unquote chai tea lattes, aka milk. I will say I did. I went to another concert recently. I filled up the camelback and had potentially the worst water I've ever tasted in my whole entire life that I probably would have drink in sour milk instead of the water that was at this festival. It was so bad. So, All don't, right, again, thank God we're in corporate events, people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I'm actually drinking an oat milk chai latte oh. uh, and oat milk yeah. chai latte. And that's – let's get on to the topic. Holy crap. Ten minutes Oh, into wait. We're doing podcast. a podcast today? What, what is... <laughs> I think you got enough we... out of this. It's pretty <laughs> <laughs> we should just seriously just have one topic and it's – just what we're drinking all right so the topic of the day do event professionals need to learn or maybe relearn uh, hr core um competency so even if uh, because that has to do with uh events getting bigger being a bigger part of creating that company culture and so do we need to tap into kind of that roadmap of what the company stands for so before we start let's just take a vote right now just so we see who's on whose team a yes or no yes or no oh dang we're like choosing hard sides on this um i guess i don't know i want to hear what you guys do because i can go either way so what do you what do you d you go first because this is like your this is your world i'm gonna say yes with an asterisk okay and two of you say yes Yes, I'm on. I'm on Team D. Okay, so typical male male time is the guys don't care about the HR stuff in the world. So I guess Nick and I are on Team No. Then we'll we'll we'll, we'll, we'll take the side. That's fine. Uh, I guess Team No is that you don't want to do it because bah. I, I, I already I'll, know enough. Is that so, the other side? Like, let's start with the yes side. Why do you guys think yes? And then I'll I'll come up with a counter argument. Well, I included an asterisk because I think it's a yes if. So if you want to align your career to be more internal events, company culture, employer brand, if you want to align it more on that side of the house, because I feel there are more event roles growing, um, it's a way to kind of specialize and not be just a kind of generalist at events. It's like Mm -hmm. events that have a very specific focus um, and you can tap into new skill sets. Yes, but I don't believe in general all event professionals should just tap into HR core competencies, go out and get a certificate and learn all these different because, I mean, do you need it in your work is the question I have or the work mm. you're trying to do. So that's that's my asterisk. Mm. Good point. Good point. And so for me, I don't even think it's event professional. I, I categorize them and I think all employees should know the company's mission, vision, core beliefs, and going through the interview stages right now, a question that I ask, you know, my potential future 
uh, teammates is out of all the core beliefs of these, you know, six values, seven values, five values that you have within the company, which one do you resonate with? And that helps me because if they're like, oh, I actually don't know, then I'm like, uh, <laughs> you know, okay, Bye. that's very interesting because I just feel like when that is your blueprint, right? I know how to design events, but do I know how to design events through this company, this way of things? And for me, I think event professionals, especially who are designing the experiences, should tap into those those HR the core values because you're designing for the audience and the audience is the internal team. So getting to know their company culture, I know DEI is a big part of all of this. And then, you know, wellness, sustainability, all those things, what's really important to the company. So then you can really hone in on that as you're designing experiences for your, for them. So that's why I say yes. I think it would be beneficial to, to tap into that again. Mm. I, I'm kind of a little bit on D side where it's like, no, but with an asterisk. Um, oh, good. I'm going to go full on. So that's great. Okay. I, I'm excited. We're going to have all four boxes covered. I'm going to go. Like, I'm going to go. That's my access. Yeah, I'm going like to go basically... mandatory. So that's great. Um, I think that. Um, so I'll say no initially because like, I think that, for example, like knowing that you need to have like employer like posters for equal opportunity in your your common spaces of like these kind of like more administrative parts of HR, I feel like are not really, really that important. However, like the asterisks that I bring in is that, you know, I think that we really do need to be thinking about how our events actually create more alignment to the company. How do they actually create a better culture? How do they actually help us recruit more people to come and want to work at the company? But I feel like planners have so much on their plate right now that like how like how can we expect them to learn another thing right like planners become the specialists or the the such generalists across so much different stuff that it's like oh hey one more thing to think about however i think do you bring probably one of the best points of like if you are planning on you know going down the route of doing internal events yeah like that is one of the special i think you probably need to know less about maybe um like uh how you can use your events for marketing reasons if you're doing internal events but if you can figure out if you're doing internal events if you can really figure out a way to like bond your company together to motivate them more like oh my god that could be so powerful but i think if for example you're planning a um you know a, a b2b conference that's primarily being used for marketing reasons other than maybe having the skill to figure out how you could use that to also help hr recruit uh, yeah, I think it's just a, it's so much extra stuff on the plate. Granted, I think there's, I think there's definitely a spectrum of things on here. So I'm just representing that uh, side of the argument. But Nick, I want to know you're like full on no. Yeah. So no, I, I'm not gonna do full on no. I'm gonna go full on yes, no asterisks. Uh, oh damn! Hear, well then, now I'm like over here in the no category by myself, like a little dweeb. Well, I, I think everyone wah, gave it like wah, enough wah, like wah. room in the middle <laughs> that I was like, you know what? I have a better case of just like like. I guess I'm drilling down on the what we started off with core competencies, which is not like how many posters to put up. It's core competencies. So mm -hmm. not the trappings, not that. I think what, what matters is, do you understand where organizations are coming from, from an HR perspective on uh, their goal setting and uh, where they come from and how they metrically score uh, what they're trying to accomplish like that stuff I think is it, it should be a core competency for an event planner because our job is to be able to show our worth 
to show our value, to be invaluable. It's one of the things I think we're the weakest at. Uh, we take for granted that events need to happen or we're focused on, uh, we all know things within our, you know, community, but the people above us, the people in other organizations, we, I think sometimes we do a poor job of, of explicitly using their language to understand the value of what we do. You know, we think we just understand it from our perspective. We do. If you get us in a group, we'll, we all just shake our heads. We shorthand. We know what we're talking about. Experiences are valuable, et cetera. But when it comes to like, for instance, I did a number of years as the uh, event strategist um, course lecturer for MPI, and it was about translating what you do as an event planner in marketing terminology in order to, to be taken seriously that way. I think the equivalent for, for internal goals, if we all knew how to do that, that we would, we would be seen as more valuable and we would also be able to score the success of our events with additional um uh, points, you know, like additional areas that we can make a difference. So like the idea of like, what does an employee want? They want the shared purpose. They want personal growth. They want a holistic well-being. They want flexibility. If you could create events, knowing that every single organization and every single attendee is a member of an, uh, an organization of some sort is looking for those things in their work life. And those organizations are looking to be able to be taught that, that these people are bringing these things back the, the design of your events uh, would be better and you would be able to say like, look, we're, we're satisfying these needs as well. And, you know, when you're scoring things on just on, did, did you sell more tickets? Did you do this? Like the fewer things that we have to score things on, the more stressful our jobs are. The more wins that we have from the, the experiences that we design, uh, the more holistically we see it. Events make a huge, huge impact in communities, but we don't do a great job of actually spreading out all the differences uh, that, that they make within organizations and communities. This gives you a whole other set of tools to say, well, actually, you know, we created a, a sense of belonging. We gave people the tools they could go back to their organizations and do this. Uh, if it is the B2B uh, conference that you mentioned, uh, we can we can identify the fact that these things are going on in their uh, lives at their businesses. They're being asked to do more, uh, so we should give them more white space. They're they're uh, more time to do their emails. Like we we'd have an understanding of what what they're going through and be able to design better. Uh, so for me, it's like it's that holistic approach of like the HR core competencies are are core competencies of understanding people. Uh, and uh, what makes them valuable and treating them uh, as, as valuable resources, of which I think there's a complete overlap between that and when, they, when you have the, those people in your hands at an event. Uh, I think once it gets into the specialization of it outside of the, just the core competencies, then I think there's a complete divergence between you know, what we should know and what we don't. But if you're exclusively saying that, then I think that you know, that's a big element of it. I, eventually, I'd like to get into like, what's going on in the world of employees right now that I think that we could all really, you know, stretch what we do uh, and uh, and find ways that like uh, we could add more to what's going on. Because I think there's the huge lasting uh, pain points that are uh, taking place as a result of COVID and a result of uh, uh, the, what's the best way to call it? Like the hybridization of work maybe, um, that all of us, I think, have the skill sets to address in a way that maybe people uh, in, in traditional HR uh, do, do not. 
and that we could we could be of value. So I think that's another element too. Is like not only do those core competencies of value, I think there's a place for us even uh, in outside of our normal roles. You know, maybe within the organizations that we're in, that we could say, okay, let's let's talk about these pain points that you're uh, you're seeing right now in a, in a hybrid work environment, and let's see how we can use design thinking in order to solve those things and how to solve those with events. Because I think that's another element of this that we could really focus on. Like I, I always like, where's the pain? And I think that's pain. Will you want to read bottle before? <laughs> no, I like. I, I think if if I mean, we're allowed to switch sides, like I think in a lot of ways, like my my true opinion of this is I think is is yes, like you do need to know about it. Um, I was just trying to offer that counter, like do the debate style where we share thoughts that aren't necessarily no, like just to stir the leave debate. You out there. But I think that like in like you're you're su such a good point that like we're in this changing work environment that like i feel like in the next five years if there's a skill that you can implement within your like event playing toolkit that's going to really be impactful to a business i feel like it's helping a company's organization culture and grow and things like that because like yeah with hybrid and things like that you know, hybrid workforces or even just purely remote workforces like we're gonna be using physical in-person events and sometimes virtual events to bring people together and it's gonna be more important than ever right now and you know sure you could say something like oh learning a marketing skill could be really really important to help grow the business but like in reality like sure but the marketers can kind of handle that like let the marketing department kind of worry about that because like the thing that's uniquely special i think right now is that events can be used as a catalyst to growing organizations people more than anything else i think in the next five years and i feel like that like if i had to pick a skill that i think is going to make you really valuable like if you're doing any if you're working directly within a company or a brand or something like that it's those hr skills on there too um so plus, plus uh, i'll add an anecdotal joke about that we love to make on this podcast it's worse comes to worse if you get out of the events industry you can always go into hr <laughs> no real estate that's real, what sorry, real oh, estate yeah, yeah. So it's always going to be real estate so i'm not going to i'm not going to switch sides i'm going to stay firmly in the yes asterisk category but i will say i think there are a couple core competencies within the hr area that would benefit all event professionals. So when I think of um, like learning and development, a lot of time that falls under uh, uh, HR, you know, if, as you're training your workforce and um, creating programs to help people elevate their career or get into the next uh, position. Some of those core competencies and, and principles are really key when we're building content, when we're building content for people to learn, for people to um, connect with others, with people for inspiration, whatever the purpose is of the content, how it's delivered, what are the vehicles, how are we setting up our sessions, how are we preparing our speakers, how are we selecting speakers? Because, you know, um, not every conference can can flow like an, like an academic conference where people are presenting poster sessions very dry, like nails on a chalkboard. So, you know, I think that's a skill set that we can all benefit from, just really understanding how we can select speakers, prepare speakers, how we can help prepare their content, how we can kind of encourage them to uh, use different engagement techniques and different presentation styles. Like I always hear about fishbowls, but I don't think I've ever seen it live at an event. You know, like there's a lot of things that are out there that we're just not tapping into. Um, so that's one area uh, that I think and kind of kind of simultaneously when you kind of mentioned like organizational design, but even like psychology or sociology, when we're trying to create 
ways for others to connect with individuals. Um, you know, I think sometimes we just lean on a cocktail reception because it's what we know, it's tried and true. But are we really creating experiences for people to connect, for people to not just connect in person or online at that event, but take that connection out into the real world after the fact. So I think those are skill sets that, you know, are usually housed within HR that would probably benefit any event professional. But I am still firmly team, yes, asterisks overall. Yes, asterisks. (laughs) Yeah, these are all really good points. I like this. I'm going to piggyback and just say another thing too is for me when I think about this question and how I am on team yes is it's also strategy not only do I want to know everyone's you know what success looks like in the HR department I want to know what success looks like in the sales and the operations and I did this when I was president of um, ILEA LA I said okay well we have a VP of programs education they have their to-do list and what they need to get their tasks accomplished and their measure of success is different than membership it's different than communications and marketing so what i would do is have a uh i guess four times a year not on top of our monthly meetups i would just have the vps meet to understand what they all need and a great example is membership wasn't feeling as valued for their you know, annual membership. And so what we would do is do a pre-cocktail members only and have a speaker there to teach about them about networking right before going into the event or something that they were curious about, or if they wanted to network with specific individuals, we would make that happen. And so that happened because membership VP said, this is where I'm lacking. And so it was a programs and education VP that was able to assist in that. So I think strategy, create a strategy. That's how I look at things. I just want to know how every individual, what their day of success looks like or their year, and then how can an event professional then add value to that? I think that like the biggest difference now out of COVID that hasn't snapped back or like a rubber band is the idea of this uh, split up workforce and what, what why it's so exciting to me as uh, a problem solver is that it's uh, the the things that are taking a hit are the things that we really know how to make an impact on. Uh, So like when you think about culture as an example, and people say it a lot, but I don't know necessarily if they know what it all means and like what the, what the breakdown of culture is. Uh, And it's an ambiguous word that I think that like, we're pretty good at attacking ambiguous words, you know, in the, like in in experience design. Um, the idea of like creating purpose and identity and safety uh, and uh, and maybe, I don't know, some sort of rules. Um, these are the kind of things that um, you can accomplish in a shared experience. Uh, and if everyone is separated more than they ever have been before, um, you don't kind of lean on things happening um, by themselves. Like it, it takes intentional experience design as opposed to uh, incidental, uh, uh, you know, clashing and coming together in, in meetings in the same building. And that level of intention and uh, stakes uh, of bringing people together in, you know, uh, let's say a couple times a year versus everyone sp- spending the same uh, time together every single day is, is the kind of thing that only we know how to do, you know, like uh, putting everything on a year in one year on three days of coming together 
sounds insane to anyone else. It's like, hey, you have to cre create your culture and make sure that everything is maintained in the epicenter of it, uh, of dissemination of information and uh, uh, this idea of, of creating a sense of belonging uh, and respecting everyone and all this, all this thing, all these uh, uh, stakes uh, and putting it in to a program that is over the span of a few hours like you would tell an HR person that and they would just be like that's just not how they operate like they operate over a long period of time and they measure things you know more granularly we measure things in the span of you know a day you know thumbs up thumbs down you know pass fail and I think that people coming together physically is still going to take place within organizations it's just going to be uh, much much more rare and much, much more intense. And uh, I think that's an area where um, a lot of us who, even if you plan the B2B conferences, there's going to be some some value in um, knowing that that's taking place. But for everyone else looking to like where you can use your skill sets, if you're part of an organization that impacts events for clients specifically, or if you have you know some sort of flexibility in the types of gigs that you take on, just consider that like there's a lot of people in desperate need for that very specific skill set uh, that you have uh, and that there's probably more opportunities for new events, quote unquote, that have never existed before because of that. Uh, and the stakes are high and the budgets are probably pretty good. Uh, if you're thinking about the idea of like people transitioning from uh, a big office space where they spend a lot of money on that to uh, a number of shared experiences it's a completely different budget uh, you know somewhere else that's that's where i see a window of opportunity to understanding the skill set or the, the pains uh, and uh, core competencies uh, everything that's associated with the hr world right now and saying like can i apply what i know to this to solve problems uh, and then the other thing I've been saying for a couple of years now is ever since the pandemic started is that if I'm planning a B2B conference right now, I am selling team um, sales and I'm doing it to uh, give people an extra day or to the beginning or the end of it in order for the team building to be uh, attached to the event that, that takes place. Like to me, like that's the secret, like uh, way to sell more tickets post pandemic is that your um, internal events like your your meetups, your your summits, et cetera, could be associated with these major conferences that the number of your people would be attending anyway. And like that's an absolute way to sell tickets. So just as a like knowing that that, that pain out there, even in a completely B2B world, uh, in, a, in a world where you're only dealing with, uh, you know, corporate, not uh, uh, internal, like that's just something that would be an awareness that would breed, I think, your traditional results uh, just by having your thumb on the pulse of what's going on in that very disrupted world. What am I missing in chat? It seems like it's pretty, uh, it's pretty good. Oh, mm. we were just listening very intently as you, um, in your best <laughs> Liam Neeson, sure. said you have a particular set of skills. So um, I, I think you need you to do that. it in the voice, though. <laughs> I, don't know I, don't, I can't do it. My name is Nick yeah. Borelli, and I have a particular set of skills. <laughs> if you, <laughs> I, I was gonna, I have a, if I have it, a very vague set of skills. In fact. <laughs> oh, and that's most event professionals, unfortunately. Yeah, but I'm bummed. Yeah, okay, that's a great transition to my question to to you guys. So to 
slightly bring this to like uh, like a tactical thing. What do you guys think are the specific set of skills? <laughs> <laughs> the specific set of skills. I can't even do it seriously. What skills do you guys that we've learned over a long time. The specific set of skills that event professionals need to learn in the terms of HR. So, like for example, I'll use one obvious one, which is like understanding like what is kosher when it comes to what mm -hmm. is, you can say in the workspace, all those things like that. Same, like what's appropriate in the workspace. All, that's an obvious one. And I feel like that might be just a general professional thing to do. But like, I think you have to be hyper aware of it when it comes to uh, like what speakers you're bringing, what's happening at the events, you know, all those things like that. So what do you guys think are the skills that are missing that event professionals should learn to, to learn? Well, well, what you were just saying goes back to just HR and what's appropriate for the company. That's the company culture. Um, an example is when I first moved to LA, there was someone sent me a, a job posting that it was an internal in-house planner, but the description was hilarious because they had such a funny work culture. And it said your your own your measure of success, for example, um, for the annual company snowboarding trip is to make sure that the CEO doesn't get lost and comes back home, which is like, okay, that's like insinuating that's going to be a big party and, you know, people are going to get loose. But I think about that in other companies and that would be a huge red flag, huge no-no. So it's just what's appropriate. How do you do it? The insert your company way of doing things. Um, I feel like I've been looking at tons of uh, job postings and a lot of things for, for corporate event planners, it's like your typical things, right? It's like the ability to work under high stress environments, the multitasking. Which yeah, is like, but that, that's like, know. that's kind of like Are obvious, I think professional skills, but like maybe something more hyper specific to, to HR. Like, oh, do you HR. think that they need to or know like tax, employee tax laws? You know, like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no, I get that. Mm. Dana, what do you think? I think there's there's skills that we already do that are kind of HR aligned that we don't recognize. So I think of HR sometime as the um, the referee, essentially, you know, especially if an employee has an issue with their direct supervisor or another colleague and HR may get involved to make sure that things are um, recorded, that things are uh, going following procedure. Um, and I think sometimes as event professionals, we get involved. Um, working cross divisionally sometimes we can be the you know pitted in between two a sticky situation and having the ability to um essentially mediate tough scenarios to uh uh document everything have a paper trail uh for your processes i think that's really key have processes that you follow um, I started my career at an association that was um, ISO certified because we were a trade association in the manufacturing uh, uh, industry. And sometimes I'm so grateful I started my career that way because we internally had processes for everything um, and, and that translated to the events. So coming in as a new person, training was a breeze because literally everything was documented. There was a, obviously it doesn't, you know, translate to 100% of your tasks every day. But knowing that there's a framework there as a guideline and as a reference um, is really super helpful. And I think as event professionals, um, we could use more of that, you know, creating some processes, creating some guidelines. Um, and then when things do go awry, you have that as kind of in your back pocket uh, to mediate tough situations. 
I'll add in uh, employee recognition, like knowing what ways that you can recognize employees, uh, I think is extremely motivating for them. And I think that events are a great way of doing that. And not just the typical, let's do an award show, but like, let's think beyond that. Like maybe let's give the opportunity for this person to show off the work they've done last year. Let's give the opportunity to pull something randomly and recognize someone out of the blue. I think that sort of stuff is can be huge. Uh, that's a, a typical like HR thing that uh, planners can learn more on how to do. Nick, what about you? I mean, the, the biggest thing I think that the planners can learn from from immersing themselves in HR likely is uh, the the importance of work life balance uh, and uh, the importance of uh, holistic uh, approach to um, the work itself and also like time spent uh, trying to accomplish tasks. Like we still in, in 2022 to design events as this intense shotgun of um, ideas uh, and overload uh, that I'm sure HR has more statistics over a longer period of time and some bigger data around different uh, educational uh, deployment uh, because they don't have, they have the benefit of a 365 uh uh, touch points with organizations, uh, and they have probably tried learning styles that are very different from uh, what events have done. And I think that's really important is to say, like, how you can holistically be part of someone's life. Uh, and their their main job, besides attraction, which is events share with them, and certainly if any ticket sales are there, uh, is is this idea of retention uh, and in retention uh, with quality. Uh, and I think that we don't necessarily know when we retain uh, attendees if we're attaining them based around uh, the quality of what we're doing and how it fits into their life or just, you know, kind of filling a niche that's not being served somewhere else. Uh, that just means that if something else better comes along, then they'll go that route. Or you're just kind of lucky in the events and in, in employment. That's frequently the case is that um, and something, you know, there's no loyalty necessarily that has been earned in a two way uh, way. Uh, and uh, they understand like ways that they have to, you know, periodically touch their their team to determine uh, what their standing is and, and where they are culturally. HR, I wouldn't I wouldn't touch them. Just well, <laughs> yeah, broad, broad use of the word. Crazy. No physical. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the, the last department you want to do anything like that. It, yeah, I'm rarely in the same country as anybody I work with, so uh, it's it's not really on the table. But um, yeah, I mean, and then just like the the different collaboration modes uh, that that exist now and how they're navigating that. I think that's a two way street. I think event event professionals still need to learn a lot about how uh, to disseminate information uh, in, in a collaborative way um, in outside of just putting people together in, in the same space. I think that uh, while I think that's very equal footing potentially right now between HR and the events world, I think HR is going to really pick up and be further along uh, than event professionals are when it comes to um, communicating and organizing people in a completely digital way. You know, so there's like working together and you're actually together. There's working alone, but together, which you see, you know, frequently in offices in in kind of like the uh, uh, cohabitating uh, environments. And then in the more distributed worlds, there's there's working together, but apart. So think about like synchronous work. 
um, and then working alone, but apart like asynchronous work, like there's a lot of different styles of uh, working on things, absorbing, learning. And my guess is, is that while all this stuff kind of happened uh, to, to disrupt things at the same time, HR is going to pull ahead because there's more digital work platforms than there that are varied uh, than there are virtual event platforms, which are more or less the same. You know, I think they're just really broadcast. Uh, and if you look at like even how work is monitored and and collaboration takes place digitally, there's a new technology that comes into play, you know, uh, every quarter seemingly. And uh, there's less so in, in innovation coming out of the uh, the event world. So I think there's a lot to be learned there as far as ways that people can collaborate uh, in different ways uh, virtually or together that uh, that event professionals could learn a lot from HR from. That's real practical. I mean, stuff. yeah, I think practical is good. I'll add in one more too, real quick, because um, I know we're running out of time. Um, is I think that the same way that you usually get like a list of your customers and you cross reference that with your attendee list of your events, I think you also need to talk to HR and get your um, your your HR your your recruitment software, your ATS applicant tracking software ask HR for that list and cross-reference it with your attendee list so you can find out who are the people that are applied or have applied for jobs um, within your, your company that are attending your events and making sure that HR has a space or an event or something like that to then connect with those people too because sometimes you know you're trying to build up your big bench of, of people uh, for future jobs and or you might have you know you might have also like disqualified someone and they're still attending your events you'd still love to like build that relationship because they might become a future hire for you I'm um, on there too so figuring out like designing and talking to HR like hey give us your ATS let's connect it to the to the uh, registration system and let's cross-reference it and take those contacts and figure out how, who, who can uh, who's gonna be there yeah so uh, I guess we came down on the line that for the most part this is to varying degrees of which that you know uh, event professionals should invest in HR uh, it depends, you know, solely on what your specific occupation is in the broad umbrella that is events uh, or where you're going to fall on that to the basic understanding to the actual implementation, rolling up your sleeves and, and trying to attack some of the problems that now exist. Um, but it seems like we have a consensus, at least, uh, on having a better understanding of where they're coming from seemingly has uh, a lot of value in uh, in what we do. So. Uh, moving forward, I think, uh, you know, it's it's just uh, similar to I think where a lot of in the last like 10 years, event professionals and varying degrees of success have learned more about marketing terminology and like where they fit in that uh, scheme of things. I think that it's probably time to look at HR in that same way, especially in a world that has been disrupted and in a world that has less uh, has a, a bigger need for intentional experience design in order for them to meet their goals versus uh, the benefit of just cohabitating. Uh, and uh, I think that's uh, where the state is currently. Uh, so to me, it's just super exciting to talk to HR professionals. I've had a lot of future of work. I was at a future of work symposium earlier this year, and I just listened to all their problems. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like we're uniquely qualified to actually be helpful in this area so like i I'm, i get really excited when uh you know it sounds like really like a, like a, a vulture when i get i really excited when i see pain you know i circle around it and i just get so excited uh but it's it's not that i don't really care about pain i care about solving problems and 
Uh, I was going to say, you're very solution oriented. Yeah. Like that's that's good. You know, you're like, it's a challenge. This is great. Yeah. It's great. It's great that it's a challenge that we, that everyone I'm friends with and know, like actually could make a dent in and could make an impact within their sphere. So I'm, I'm always looking for, you know, as especially after going through the pandemic of being like, oh, no one needs our skills right now. Like that was a real bummer, you know, <laughs> like what are we good at bringing people together? What's absolutely illegal globally bringing people together. So now I'm very much like, how do we use the things that we know how to do in as many ways as possible to give us, you know, the ability to be flexible enough to always be of value to people uh, regardless. And uh, so I like I don't like as much as I'm a hyper specialist and I believe in specialization. Uh, I really think that like it's really healthy for us to be able to, you know, do some get some more muscles uh, and exercise it in different ways. And this is a way that I think isn't going to go away as far as needing what we do. Absolutely. I, I actually was recently brainstorming with a HR professional about different experiences during the beginning orientation training phases and how you could gamify it or what's their what incentivizes them as they joining a team most likely remotely and, and learning all the the necessary documents is it bringing leadership on to to have that kind of one-on-one time because you're not in the office those things but I know the last 10 years of any HR department that you know the, my, the company that I've been involved with I've always reported someone for putting pineapple on their pizza Normally, it's all like happy, funny and everything. But I think also we need to look at them. Um, I just started following an Instagram group um, called it's like it's HR related. And one thing that, you know, they complain about is being called the fun police. But they are just human also doing their job, too. So find that collaboration. What Nick was saying, there's there's a lot of challenges that you can use your skill sets that will brought up to to add value. And if anything, I just feel it's like so important to really make the team that you're a part of feel special. I don't want anyone leaving, right? Like that just adds more work onto my my load. But if you can just help each other out and HR really is that referee there. So kudos, kudos. And of course, we want to know what what do our listeners think? Do you believe that this is a smart move or no, just they're the professionals, leave it in there. You can use hashtag eventbrew or email us at eventbrew at helloendless.com. <laughs> and other than that, thank you three for, for having this candid conversation. And until next time, is it a female voice again? Uh, I guess it'll just be a surprise, but thank you okay. too for, for, for being here, Deanna Nick. Girl Power Unite. Girl Power Unite. Let's play that outro. Thanks again for listening to Event Brew. Be sure to rate and review us on your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to head over to eventbrew.com and leave us a comment about this week's episode. Ask a follow-up question or tell us what topics you want to hear covered. See you next time on Event Brew. Event Brew.